My name is Kay Mortimer, and welcome to you. And I wanted to share this morning an insight that the Lord revealed to me that I was just very blessed by. And I trust that this will bless and minister to your heart as well. I've been reading in Luke chapter 22. And uh, in this chapter, Jesus holds the Passover Seder, his last supper with the disciples. And he's preparing for the cross. And all of that, and uh, there's much insight in this chapter to speak on uh, at other times. But today I just wanted to share something that's really very fresh to me and just very precious to me and what God revealed to me. In verse 31 and 32 of that chapter, Luke chapter 22, verse 31 and 32, it says, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Indeed, Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. In those two verses, there's a whole sermon in there. Um, so much that God has revealed to me. And I'm going to try to simplify that right now and just share some key points. First of all, I noticed here, Jesus is alerting Peter to the fact that Satan has actually asked for him. I see that as Peter being a New Testament counterpart to the Old Testament Job, the character of Job in the book of Job. And we're told in Job chapter 1 how Satan asked about Job. And um, Satan had a particular intent to test Job's faith and to bring him to the point of overthrow of his faith. And that's exactly what this word is talking about here when it says that Satan has asked for him to sift him as wheat. The sifting as wheat process, that's a whole study in and of itself. But from what I've learned in the Bible times, the wheat the sifting of wheat would occur after the wheat had been bound in sheaves and bundled and brought to the threshing floor, and then it had been trampled on and threshed to the point of separating the chaff from the grain of wheat. Then it would be lifted by a winnowing fan and thrown up into the air for the chaff to be blown away by the wind and the wheat would then fall back to the ground. At this point, the, uh, it was primarily a woman's job, but the, they would gather that wheat up and put it in a sieve or a sieve and shift, sift it and shake it violently and all of that. And the whole purpose for that was to purge that wheat of all impurities and to get it to a point where it was pure wheat ready for grinding into flour. Now that is the kind of the concept that Jesus is telling Peter that Satan is desiring to do in him. That Satan is desiring to violently shake him to the very foundation of his faith and bring him to that point where he could overthrow and cast off his faith. 
And that is what Peter is facing here, and that is what Jesus is telling him. Notice in the very next verse that it says, But I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And I found this very interesting in my study today that I, I love to do word studies. Um, I believe word studies in the original language help us understand more of the depths of meaning of some of the things that God is trying to communicate. And also I believe that we need to understand the customs of the time and some of the things that we just in, in, 2000, in the 2000s and in the 21st century, we don't always catch a lot of what's being said here. So it's good to do study into the original languages and the original customs and so forth of the day to help us understand these things. And it's interesting that when I did word studies, even on the little words of scripture, sometimes you'll find some very interesting things. When I looked at this word where it says, I have prayed for you, it brings out how that, that particular pronoun is only used when it is meant to be emphatic. And what that speaks to me is that Jesus is communicating, I, I am the one who has prayed for you. I have been personally involved in praying for you. I, Peter, not, not other people, this is me. I am the one who has prayed for you. It's an emphatic use of that word. Now, when we go to the next word and we talk about praying, it's interesting that that is talking about begging, but it comes from a root that means to bind, to bind oneself. What that tells me is not only is Jesus himself praying for Peter in this instance, but he is he is emphatic and he is serious about it. He has committed himself to it. He has bound himself to pray on behalf of Peter. And he is so involved, it's important to him. He has made it a commitment to pray to this end. So the other passage, the other place that I found that was interesting is when it says that Jesus, he says, I have prayed for you. It's very interesting that that word in the Greek is peri. <coughs> Excuse me. Peri. And it talks about, if you'll, if you'll remember, even in English, we have words like periscope, peripheral, vision, perimeter, perimeter, peri. And what that means is around. It's talking about around. A periscope is that scope in a submarine that will be um, lifted up, maybe above, above the waters, and it goes around in a circle to see what's around. The perimeter of a building is that that's around it. So Jesus is not only saying, I've been, I am personally, me, personally involved in praying for you, not only that, but I have committed to it. I have bound myself to it. It is that important to me to pray around you. 
I am encircling you with my prayers. In Zechariah it says, God says, I will be a wall of fire about them and their glory in the midst. He, Jesus is saying, I'm surrounding you with my prayer and my petition before God our Father. And what he says, so what is Jesus now praying for? What does he say he's praying for? He's not praying that Satan won't necessarily t sift him. He's not praying that Peter will escape all of the testings and trials. He's praying that his faith will not fail. Sometimes we have an enemy, and in these last days, we see more suffering. We're all under attack from our enemy. We, as Christians, suffer in many ways. Sometimes it's severe suffering. Sometimes it's other things that are more annoyances than true afflictions, I guess we could say. But whatever our roads are that we must take, and whatever our afflictions are that we must bear, we can know that we have a Lord Jesus Christ who is personally, emphatically involved in praying for us too, just like he was for Peter. He's bound himself to cover us in prayer and to surround us with his prayer and to cover us so much so that it encircles us with his prayer. And his prayer over us is the same as his prayer over Peter in this instance. That our faith will not fail. That our faith, our firm commitment, our being convinced and persuaded that God is true. God is faithful. His word is true and it will not fail. And my circumstances do not alter that fact. That is our faith. Our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. In what he has done for us. In that we have a loving God who cares about us. We have a Jesus who is our good shepherd. And he is with us through all these areas in life. And all these afflictions of life. And he loves and cares for us. That's what carries us through. And it's that faith that we cannot and should not allow to fail. And that's what Jesus is praying for here. That that faith will not fail. And that word for fail refers to leaving its origin or its source. That's what the root words of that mean. It's actually a compound word. And the roots are referring to leaving or being absent from the origin or the source. It's talking about ceasing, stopping, quitting. It is also, also the, the actual Greek word is eclipo. And it's talking, it's kind of like the eclipse of the sun or the moon. So Jesus is praying that our faith will not depart from the source of God Almighty and His precious Word that we hold in our hands and in our hearts. And that's what Christ is praying for Peter. And that's what He is also praying around 
us and over us as well. He wants us to make it. And he wants us to make it intact with secure faith. Not only is Jesus committed and bound to praying for that, but he also tells Peter one more thing. He says, and when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. It's very interesting that this is a prophetic declaration of faith. Jesus didn't say, if by chance you survive this test and your faith stays. No, he said, when, when you're done with this test and when you have proven yourself and when you've come back to me, when you've returned to me outside of all this turmoil that's been in your life and maybe you lose your way for a while, but when you come back to me and you've returned, you've been restored, then it's your duty, it's your honor, it's your privilege to share it with others and strengthen your brothers. Strengthen them. Render them constant. Help them to stand solid and stable in the faith. That's what it's talking about here. And we see how Peter did that. Yes, Peter went through the weekend when Christ was crucified and in the grave until the resurrection. And that was a difficult weekend for Peter, I can only imagine. And I know that he had many questions, and I know that his faith was very challenged. And, and he felt miserable through his, because of his denials of Christ and all of those things. And yes, all of those things are valid. But he was restored. John chapter 21 gives us the story about how that occurred, where Jesus himself restored Peter and brought him back to the place that that he had kind of deviated from, and he had returned to the Lord Jesus Christ. And from then on, in the New Testament, we see in the book of Acts, and in the books of First and Second Peter that he penned, how he went about strengthening the brethren. How he went about explaining to people that count it all joy when you fall into various trials and temptations, knowing that the testing of your faith works patience and let patience have its perfect work. We see how Peter penned words like that, that were strengthening to the brethren. Hallelujah. And it strengthens us today to know that we have a living Savior the Bible says in Hebrews 7.25, He ever lives to make intercession for us. We have a living Savior who is praying around us and over us. He is praying parry us all around us as well today that our faith will not fail, that we will not depart from the origin and source of our faith, but rather, Hebrews 12 tells us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, the one who cares enough to be personally involved and binding himself committed to praying over us 24 7, 
ever living to make intercession for us. Beloved, you have a Savior, just like I do, just like Peter did, who is praying for you that your faith will not fail. And as you are restored, and as you are brought through whatever trials you are going through, strengthen other Christians from it. Use it as a testimony. My pastor says you can't have a testimony without a test. Use it as a testimony to strengthen and help other people become stable in their faith. May God bless you in Jesus' name.